This is the Sustainable Goat Podcast. We look to nature for how we should interrelate to the world. All the answers are within nature if we take the time to listen. But what we have to find is a reasonable way how to handle plastic. You know, consumers expect more. They're expecting brands to be more sustainable. They're choosing sustainable brands. These are the stories and ideas from those that will define a generation. I'm your host, Steve Kassinem, and this is our planet in focus. Steve, thanks for your time. It's really great to chat. So my name is Matt, and I'm the founder and CEO of Skydrop. Our mission is to make delivery instant for everyone. And so our story sort of starts, I guess, with my background. I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. I went to the University of Sydney, studied philosophy, and then I got a scholarship to live in Shanghai in China. And at the time, you know, you think about Shanghai, it's a congested city, the air hurts to breathe. I was in my dorm room on campus and I was kind of thinking it would be great if we sort of lived in a future where delivery was speedier cheaper and greener and so i remember going to the electronics markets in in shanghai and seeing model helicopters go on sale and i thought about it from the perspective of first principles thinking where if if these model helicopters can already carry a camera and you assume any rate of technical progression then it's only a matter of time until drones can carry packages and so that really kind of inspired me and as i thought about it further what occurred to me is that the core value proposition of drones is that Mm -hmm. they fly over traffic congestion so they're always going to be speedier Mm -hmm. which lowers the labor cost which is the biggest driver electricity and batteries so they're going to be greener And so the core value proposition of drone delivery, from my perspective, was right in the beginning, speedier, cheaper, and greener, this technology. Mm -hmm. And I started building the first delivery drones in my dorm room in in China. And yeah, I was on exchange. And so- What year was this? Oh, good question. This was, I think we're in 2011. Wow. So this is like early drone. This is, yeah, yeah, when they were pretty, yeah. You can't just go buy a DJI drone. <laughs> right. And there was no talk of drone delivery, right? Mm-hmm. This was, in some sense, the founding of the drone delivery industry in a dorm room in China. And so mm-hmm. I was on exchange and I bought a lot of clothes. And by the time this finished, I had to choose between all of my clothes or the early prototype delivery drones that I'd built in my dorm room. And so I remember rushing to catch this flight and throwing all of my clothes in a trash bin and putting these two model helicopters in a suitcase and rushing to the airport and taking them back to Australia where I then founded the company and kind of set out with the vision of not just creating a company but creating an industry and and pioneering drone delivery. So the delivery industry is very, very complex, extremely complex. What's kind of been the history of that industry? Where did delivery start to become a common thing? That's a really good question. And that's something that I should probably learn more about. (laughs) But 
I can kind of share what I have thought about, which is more to do with the history of aviation per se than the history of delivery. Mm. So in the early days of aviation, you had the Wright brothers who flew the first person at Kitty Hawk. The pioneers get the arrows, the settlers get the land. And I, I was passionate from the beginning to be both a pioneer and a settler. I didn't just want to be first. I wanted to win the market. I, I wanted to create hmm. a sustainable business. And so when you sort of look at the history of aviation, it's interesting because the Wright brothers were first and they created the industry, which, which is huge. And that's success in and of itself. But, but they didn't end up capturing the market. And so after them along came Boeing. Hmm. And in the early days of the industry, Boeing was operating, they were selling planes to the military to kind of fund the growth of their business. But where their business really took off was when they got a contract with the U.S. Post Office Mm. to deliver mail by plane. And so Boeing, you know, they were out selling planes and you think of the airline industry, you have Boeing and you have Airbus that make planes, but then you have United American and Southwest that operate them. Well, a little known fact is in the beginning of the industry, Boeing got this deal with the post office and started delivering. And that created mm-hmm. such a, a powerful business. And so that's why you have an airline industry today that's different to the aircraft manufacturing industry because Boeing created such a powerful business that they were able to make the planes so they had the best margins on the hardware. Then they were able to operate the service so they had the best margins on the service. And no one could compete with them and they got split up. And so that was sort of a drone delivery manufacturer. And in doing so, you know, not only do we have the option to sell delivery drones and license the software and license the patents to to kind of capture high margins on the hardware and the software, but we can also run the service ourselves. We can run the last mile drone delivery service and win not only from a hardware perspective, but from we can capture them. So I guess that kind of leads into your question where the way we look at this industry, we're really focused on the last mile. Because more than half of the total cost in getting a package to your home is the trip from the local store to your door or the local warehouse to your door. That last mile, because it's so labor intensive and traffic congestion and all of that, that's where the value is. And that's where we're in a position to disrupt and capture through last mile drone delivery. Mm. Mm. That is such an interesting way to look at the problem too, from not delivery history, but aviation history, because it was an innovative model. I wonder about what is it like when it comes to going about FAA regulations and everything? Because obviously it's a highly regulated industry in terms of what you can and cannot do. Even as a consumer flying a consumer drone, you have a lot of restrictions. So what did that kind of look like from your perspective in an industry where they were just trying to figure it out? Because I remember when I first started using a drone for even media work, there wasn't any part 107. There wasn't anything for somebody to actually fly. There was just, you had to say, hey, I'm doing the safety. And then they were, everybody was just kind of figuring it out. Was that kind of the process for you guys in the beginning of kind of helping figure out what that can look like? Yes, it absolutely was. So a part of my motivation for 
founding Skydrop and kind of taking on and pioneering the drone delivery industry was, and I'm going from memory here, but I think in 2012, there was an FAA reauthorization bill. So Congress mandated that the FAA integrate drones into the national airspace in a mandate from 2000, and the FAA has not yet integrated drones into the national airspace. So you can imagine sort of my frustration as an entrepreneur who moved to America to pursue the American dream based on a belief in the U.S. government bureaucracy that if the FAA says, hey, let's integrate drones in the national airspace system, they'll be promptly integrated. And so I sort of pursued the American dream on the assumption that the government, well, the FAA specifically, would support the growth of the industry. You know, and the honest truth of the matter is to date they haven't. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of think about the consequence of that, just one application of our technology is delivery of defibrillators, mm-hmm. of AEDs. The, the last time I looked at the numbers, the leading cause of natural death in America is cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And a cardiac arrest is an electrical problem with your heart that causes it to stop beating. And from the moment your heart stops beating, CPR can kind of keep your blood flowing, but it can't restart your heart. The only thing that can restart your Mm. heart is an electrical shock from a defibrillator. And so from the moment where your heart stops beating, the probability of a defibrillator restarting your heart and saving your life goes down by 10% per minute. So if a bystander can get an AED on you, then Mm -hmm. within a minute, then you've got about a 90% chance of survival. If they don't, and 10 minutes pass, and most of them are over 10 minutes. So what that means, in the words of an ambulance service provider that I spoke to, is that it's a death sentence. Wow. And so one of the applications of our last mile drone delivery technology is that drones can get defibrillators on site of a cardiac arrest much faster. Hmm. And I've got a vision for our drones to be integrated into the 911 system, so if someone has a cardiac arrest and a bystander calls 911 and they say the words associated with cardiac arrest like collapsed or fainted or not mm-hmm. breathing, in addition to an ambulance location. And in many cases, that'll get a defibrillator on site in under five minutes. So that means a 50-50 chance of survival. And we've run the numbers on this, and if you just kind of average it out, one of our drones in a suburban area will save one life every two weeks on average. Then you scale that out nationally, and even a conservative estimate shows that this will save 100,000 lives a year. Mm-hmm. So you then think about the lost decade. Well, there's a million people who could be alive mm-hmm. if drone delivery was at scale who are not alive because the FAA's now 10 years behind schedule in integrating drones into the national airspace system. Wow. And that's just one use case. That's before we talk about all of the other ways drones can save lives and improve lifestyles. So, you know, as an entrepreneur coming to America to pursue the American dream and for those timelines to keep moving to the right and and to look at kind of the lost lives and the lost opportunities as a consequence, the great irony of this is that the drone delivery companies who are having the most success like us Mm -hmm. are the drone delivery companies who have gone to other markets where the regulations allow drone delivery. So we've gone to New Zealand, which is one of the most 
forward-thinking regulators in the world for regulatory approval. And we've got a public partnership with Domino's. We've got other companies that we're looking to expand within that market. You know, one of our, I guess, indirect competitors in the market is a company called Zipline. Mm -hmm. They went to Rwanda in Africa. Now, I don't think that a, a country like Rwanda has the, the Western regulatory sophistication of a country like New Zealand, right. but Zipline's had tremendous success in Rwanda. And off the back of deploying a drone delivery network in Rwanda, they've raised about $500 million in capital at a $2.75 billion valuation. And so just now imagine how many jobs would have been created already if this already had national approval in the United States. Yeah, I think you have a certain level of entrepreneurial spirit, I think, kind of comes alive. It's almost any new thing that was formed, there almost wasn't, quote unquote, movement on the government side. It was a collective side from the world. Just, you know what, we're going to go this way. And I totally hear you on that. Because I mean, I, I think you have this really complicated thing where I feel like you have to think about it on two different ways. You have the one side of drone delivery in the most responsible way. And then you think about the drone delivery in the not so responsible way. But either way, there's got to be some sort of framework for people to kind of work in. And I just think even from a technology standpoint, it's moving so quickly. The size, the weight, the power efficiency. I mean, how has that development worked on your units over the years? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. One way to think about this is that the smartphone revolution has democratized the computer processing and sensor technology that now enables drones to have everything that they need to operate drone delivery safely. And so from my perspective, you know, the technology is here and drone delivery is now starting to expand in countries around the world. And I just want America to be a world leader in this regard. So let me just give you like one example that always yeah, stuck, totally. stuck with me. We have a partnership with a, a major ambulance service in America. We said we want to deliver AEDs to fibrillators to save lives. And the FAA looked at it and they said, well, you can't carry a defibrillator on a drone. And we said, why not? They said, because a defibrillator has a lithium polymer battery in it and that's hazardous. I said, well, you know, can we operate under the existing regulations without carrying a defibrillator? And they said, yeah, that's fine. I said, well, our drones are powered by lithium polymer batteries. And so it's not hazardous, but it is hazardous to fly drones carrying defibrillators powered by lithium polymer batteries. And this is just, you know, one that kind of show, I think, how we're on the cusp of of a technical revolution that has the potential to save millions of lives. And unfortunately, this is now growing outside of America when I'd love it to be growing right here faster than it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have a solid point in the fact that you fly with lithium polymer batteries and you can carry lithium polymer batteries. Battery technology also is moving really quickly in terms of that regulation because I remember... I mean, even when you fly with any type of media gear, you have to carry it on board. But my question was always, what's the difference between on board and underneath? You're in the aircraft either way, and it's sitting there either way. That was always kind of my understanding of it. But more so, how do you kind of see this tech progressing? What do you see the future of drone delivery? 
because right now they are a little bit larger units. Do you see just such efficiency if they're just tiny little things? I think there's a very simple way to think about this, which is drones can now safely and reliably carry packages from A to B. And I think that there are two kind of major impacts that that will have in the near future. One is that as drones can carry packages safely from A to B, it's only a matter of time until drones can carry people safely from A to B. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of the breakthrough innovation in drone delivery is pioneering the breakthrough innovation in urban air mobility. Mm. So in some sense, I feel very privileged to be not only pioneering the drone delivery industry, but I do think that now grows into pioneering the urban air mobility industry as well. And then the second element of this is I do think that autonomy in drone delivery, now drones fly themselves. We keep a human in the loop for safety. Ultimately, that will become a human on the loop. Mm -hmm. So that's just a human monitoring the autonomous operation who can intervene if they need to, but they shouldn't need to. Mm -hmm. But autonomy in drone delivery, I think, will lead to autonomy in the aviation industry. And I think this will ultimately get to the point where planes will power themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And everything can be done basically remotely essentially absolutely absolutely yeah how do you kind of deal with the the security aspect of it because i know a lot of people will go oh well can't you just hack them everything's a computer if you hack it well enough you could just take control over it so if it's carrying something important what can happen yeah so cyber security is one very important aspect of drone delivery that's something we've done a lot of work on it's also something that needs continual effort over time to stay one step ahead And so, I mean, what I did is is I engaged one of the industry leaders in cybersecurity to sort of do an internal review of our product and figure out what we could do to make it as secure as possible and then to continue to iterate that going forward. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because I think part of the concern I know from like the public aspect when you don't know the industry that much is, is it hackable? can people just shoot it right out of the sky and just take all the packages? That's always like the first thing that somebody says about drone delivery. So, I mean, what's kind of the way as a business to think about that? Well, when I moved to America, I went through customs and the customs officer said to me, what do you plan to do in America? And I said, drone delivery. And he said, won't we just shoot them down? And so I'm like, America, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the answer is that's not been our our reaction. That's Mm -hmm. not been the reaction that we've received to the technology. The reaction that we've received to the technology is that when a SkyDrop delivery drone flies to your home and hovers in location and lowers your package out of the air from up to 200 feet, that that's a magical delivery experience. Mm -hmm. They say that there's a quote that any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm -hmm. And our experience has been that it's magical to have your package lowered from the heavens, so to speak. We had one, one investor come out and see our technology in action, and he said, wow, it's a dinosaur egg. I said, I'm, I'm really confused. He says, it's something no one's ever seen before. <laughs> wow. And so I'm like, it is a dinosaur egg. But so, no, I, I think that the experience of the technology is magical, and I think that especially when you think about it from the perspective of if you see a SkyDrop delivery drone, you don't know if that's carrying a defibrillator to save a life or if it's carrying 
Domino's pizza to feed a hungry family. Mm-hmm. And either way, I think that we're getting to the point where seeing a Skydrop delivery drone in the air is just as common as seeing a delivery truck on the road. Yeah, I mean, you can almost play a game of waiting to see how long until an Amazon van drives by most of the time. And you're so used to it now. It's almost just as common as UPS and FedEx when you just see a truck. You're like, oh, there goes Amazon. And I think that would be the same vision of Skydrop for sure. What about that sound side of things? So, you know, you live in a neighborhood, you start ordering from, let's say Amazon goes, hey, Skydrop, let's do this. We'll just put an Amazon logo on it. We'll just start doing all of our deliveries by drone. What does that look like for the consumer where their neighbor just orders a package every single day and a drone's just dropping? Like, how does sound work for you guys? Yeah, so sound's been something that we've been sort of very conscious and proactive about. So early in the company, we conducted the first ever FAA-approved drone delivery on U.S. soil in history. We call that our Kitty Hawk moment. And we actually then donated that drone to the Smithsonian and just in October, it went on display in the same exhibit as the Wright Brothers Wright Flyer. Wow. <laughs> Congrats. That's huge. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's nice to have achieved and, and have recognized a legacy in aviation history. And so if you go to, if you're in Washington, D.C. and go to the Smithsonian, look for look for the Wright Flyer and flirty delivery drone that did the first drone delivery on U.S. soil. But following that, you know, we did that in collaboration with NASA. Mm-hmm. And following that, we hired one of the guys who had been in a leadership position in NASA's drone program. He'd worked on drone noise profiles, on drone safety, on safely flying drones over people, safely flying drones in controlled airspace. And he led our engineering program for about three years. His name was John Foger. Unfortunately, he passed away, but, but he was awesome. We worked closely together and we're carrying forward kind of the engineering legacy that, that he pioneered at our company. He's a fascinating guy. He was a fighter pilot, just mm-hmm. really interesting. And so we did a lot of work on noise and sound. And a part of why the way our drones operate is they hover it up to 200 feet and lower the package out of the air is because at that altitude, you can hardly hear it and you can just see it. Mm. Actually, let me take a step back. When our drones are in cruise and they're flying at sort of 200 to 400 feet, which is drone airspace, mm-hmm. you can't hear them and you can just see them. They're just like a bird in the sky. Yep. So a lot of people have this perception of drone technology that it's going to be buzzing everywhere, and that's probably because they're familiar with Chinese-made DJIs that, that are loud and, and quite annoying. <laughs> but when Skydrop delivery drones are cruising between 200 and 400 feet, you're not going to hear them. Mm-hmm. When they then come down to just below 200 feet to lower the package out of the air, they make in the range of, you know, 60 to 70 decibels of noise, which blends into the ambient background noise in any kind of suburban or urban environment. Mm -hmm. And so if you're getting a delivery to your home, you will hear it. The neighbor might just hear it, but it's not going to create a problem from a noise pollution perspective. Mm. And so we've been very proactive about that. There are other companies out there who have had significant issues with noise because their drones either are louder from a decibel perspective, more annoying from a pitch perspective, and or delivering from a lower delivery altitude. But we've sort of, we tried to think about that from the outset. Yeah. How do you kind of design out of that problem from the standpoint of engineering quiet motors? I mean, there's a whole level of designing the drone itself, not just how can you apply it? How can you use it? How much can it lift and power? It's, you have all those other considerations. What was the engineering problem like that you guys had to solve? 
Yeah, no, it was choosing between the trade-offs and optimizing accordingly of you know, the payload that you want to be able to carry with the resulting noise profile. And so there are some general principles, but where we landed was on a delivery drone aircraft that has one of the highest payload capacities in the industry with a low noise profile from a decibel perspective that is reduced further when you're delivering from up to 200 feet and the pitch of which is a low buzzing noise rather than a high-pitched mosquito-type noise that people might be more familiar with in hobbyist drones. Mm. And so what creates that pitch? How can you guys tailor that in? There are a number of, of things that go into that, but I think it's created by the number of propellers, mm -hmm. the size of the propellers, the speed with which the propellers turn. Mm. So for example, fewer larger lower turning propellers are going to create a lower pitch than more smaller faster turning propellers. Got it. And so when you guys start looking at what the potential impact can be from a last delivery perspective. So regardless of cost, I mean, what's kind of the impact that usually comes for either a company financials or their impact on diesel cost and vehicle maintenance and manufacturing? I mean, what kind of problems does it solve for a company when you guys can just deliver products? Yeah, so the core value, what's in it for companies using drone delivery is number one, that it's faster. We live in a world where people want instant gratification. And drone delivery is a technology that can truly enable that. I think it's reasonable to think that in the future there will be we'll be doing drone deliveries in under five minutes. Mm. I think drone delivery is this will be the speediest method of delivery. So number one is speed. And speed has a number of benefits, especially if you're a quick service restaurant. Because if you can get your product to the consumer faster, then it will be fresher. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've all experienced cold, soggy food. And I, if you've ever eaten like a pizza when it comes out of the oven, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And the quality of that product goes down with time. And so the fastest method of delivery is just going to have an advantage over everyone else. And what that advantage converts into is fresher food for the consumer, which means more orders. So speedier delivery means more revenue for quick service restaurants. Mm -hmm. Second is at scale, it's cheaper. So speedier and cheaper. And the reason that at scale it's cheaper is because the autonomous nature of the technology reduces the average labor cost of a delivery. And so in the traditional logistics industry, every year wage rates go up, independent contractors want to be booked as employees, gas prices go up, traffic congestion goes up, you compare that with the long-run trend of drone delivery, where every year you can have a higher ratio of drones to remote operators. You can just keep increasing the autonomy of the technology. Yeah, that's that's a huge impact. Because, I mean, you look at even then the traffic patterns, you look at that from the vehicle, the manufacturing, I mean, that whole entire side of things. Um, so when it when it comes to the actual logistics of it, let's just say everything goes well and there's a bunch of drone delivery companies now competing in the space, you guys being the original and the leader. Um, but what happens when five drones are sharing the same airspace? You know, is there is there that solution of the, the whole collision conversation? Yeah. So what about the whole collision side of things? So at Skydrop, we work closely with 
NASA Ames on a project called UTM, Unmanned Traffic Management. So what that kind of sought to do is solve the problem of when you have a lot of drones in the air, how do you ensure route deconfliction? And, you know, I think that the major delivery players today have about 50,000 delivery trucks on the road. So I think there'll be more than 50,000 delivery drones in the air in the near future. And so the way I think about this is I, I personally think it's a much easier problem to solve than people realize. And the reason for that is I think a lot of people's framework for thinking about traffic management is roads, which are two-dimensional, but the air is three-dimensional. And, you know, between, let's just say, 200 and 400 feet above ground level, you have a lot of room for drones to move. You have a lot of layers in which they can move with a very low risk of collision. And general aviation aircraft generally flies above 400 feet. So the 200 to 400 feet is sort of what I think of as the transit airspace for delivery drones. And so within that airspace, I think you just need to make sure that the drones can do automatic route deconfliction with one another. So our drones already do automatic route deconfliction with our own fleet. So the simplest way of doing that is just applying that same technology by having a data feed in of where third-party delivery drones are and, and making sure that there's enough of a buffer built into the flight profile that, that they are not going to collide and that if they are, there are protocols in place so that they change routes accordingly. So I think this is actually a relatively easy problem to solve, and I think it's something that can be solved iteratively as delivery drones increasingly take to the skies. Yeah. What about the whole footprint of just really the what's on the table of sustainability of drone delivery? I mean, outside of just the value of one business, I mean, what by shifting an entire market like this and almost making an entire new market, what's the potential impact of that? Well, I mean, I think if you think about our standard of living and our quality of life, you know, I think a lot of it is driven by the infrastructure that gets goods to us. And what we're sort of doing at Skydrop is building an infrastructure of the future by making delivery frictionless, by enabling you to have on-demand delivery of what you want when you want it. So early in the company, we said anything, anytime, anywhere. Mm. And so obviously there are opportunities in the short term like drone delivery, but like my mind goes, what are the possibilities we haven't thought of? Mm -hmm. Imagine a world where if you need something or want something, instead of even having to purchase it and have it delivered by a drone, perhaps one of your neighbors has it and the Skydrop delivery drone can pick it up from your neighbor and deliver it to you and you can rent it and then and the drone can pick it up and return it. And so I think that I think that this enables a form of instant gratification that isn't necessarily fickle. I think it can actually have a, have a very beneficial impact on our lives in terms of our access to goods when we want them and when we need them. You know, I, I asked my wife, I said, what are the things that that would be of greatest value to you? And, and she said, well, you know, if I could get baby medicine at 1 a.m. when our daughter is sick, on demand by drone, there's nothing that, that, that provides that to me right now. And that would be invaluable mm -hmm. instead of having to put our daughter in the car and, and drive down 
you know, some people live in, in, in neighborhoods where mm -hmm. you might not want to go to the local gas station at 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. And so this is a technology that enables that. And that's just kind of an everyday use case beyond the life-saving use cases like drone delivery of AEDs of defibrillators. Mm, yeah, I love that idea of the ability to do it with neighbors. I mean, I mean the the concept of you know talking to your neighbor fine, but if you're a neighborhood over and there's a whole network of people that say, "Hey, I need this," and you can just bring stuff back, it's almost it's like a, a peer to peer. It's like a yeah. peer to peer network using delivery drones. Yeah, it's a different way of looking at knocking on your neighbor's door and asking for some salt. It's a really interesting way to look at that in a more technological, advanced way. That's fascinating. And so what's kind of your hope for the future in terms of SkyDrop and more so how it fits into kind of that sustainability picture of being able to solve this last mile? When I founded the company, kind of the original ambition that I had was I wanted to pioneer an industry. You know, there are a lot of fantastic entrepreneurs who have built great sustainable businesses. It's kind of remarkable, I think, to be able to create an industry. And so a part of my original goal was to create an industry, was to be a founder of an industry. And I think from my perspective, we've done that now. If you ask anyone, do you think there are going to be delivery drones in the future? I think we're almost now at a universal yes, of course. I can't imagine a future without delivery drones. And some of the largest companies in the world have now moved into this. So I think from the perspective of founding an industry, I feel like we've, we've done that. And so now the next goal is build a company that sustainably captures a significant portion of the market of this industry. We don't just want to be a pioneer that got the arrows, we want to be a settler that gets the land. And so I think the next chapter is to hopefully build a sustainable company in a multi-trillion dollar industry. And so in order to do that, what we're doing right now is, is we're focusing on deploying and expanding our first drone hubs. And so my vision going forward is to take that forward to the point where every mall in America, every restaurant in America has SkyDrop delivery drones operating from that store to your door. That's the vision forward from my perspective to create a sustainable industry leading company. Mm -hmm. That's outstanding. And then what's your favorite place to go out and enjoy nature just as a person? When you get that time, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love hiking. And I haven't had much of an opportunity lately, but I, I, Reno is great because Skydrop's based in Reno, Nevada, and you've got, you've got the mountains up to Lake Tahoe and the National Forests, and mm -hmm. I love getting out and going on hikes, and I would honestly just like to do a lot more of it. Yeah, 100%. Well, Matt, thanks for taking the time to hop on the podcast, dive through everything SkyDrop. I think what you guys are working on is super fascinating just because it is a movement in an industry. It's I'm fascinated by the way that you see the world. You see it completely differently. And to even think back then in a dorm room that like, hey, I think we could deliver stuff by flying things around to people. It's futuristic and it's awesome. So I mean, congrats on all the success, but also thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. No, look, I really appreciate it. And maybe just kind of like a parting thought, which is like, I just really want to help people visualize what the future can look like. Mm -hmm. Imagine a future 10 years from now where SkyDrop drone delivery specifically and the drone delivery industry generally is saving a million lives a decade 
with delivery of defibrillators to people who have cardiac arrests. That's just one example. And imagine a future where there are peer-to-peer drone delivery networks where you can get whatever you want, wherever you want it, and we've created truly frictionless access to goods. Maybe that even creates opportunities that we haven't even thought of yet. Like imagine what you could sell to your neighbors if you could have drones. Mm -hmm. Imagine someone who just makes the best banana bread out there. And, and, And imagine being able to provide that to your community through the use of frictionless on-demand drone delivery. And I think that there are probably people out there who can think of applications of this technology that we haven't even thought of yet that really pioneers an exciting future together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just the simple fact of how far food has to travel. So if food doesn't have to travel as far, you're already helping the problem. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the discussion. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Thank you for listening to the Sustainable Goat podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kassinem. With each episode, we can further define what it means to create a truly sustainable and resilient future. I think the new status is to show that that you actually care. You want to drive change and you want to be part of a sustainable future. People fight for what they love. And let's really all start for small but significant shift in the way we live, we consume, and we plan our life. Join us at sustainablegoat.com.